Hello, and welcome to the Christ Table Podcast, a Bible study for those who struggle with digging into the Bible, but who want to develop a richer faith, one with some meat on its bones. I'm Kevin Young, a media guy turned minister who's passionate about helping others thrive, especially spiritually. If you're unaware, Christ Table is a movement of people returning the church to her roots, in homes, around tables, over food with old friends and fresh conversations. Check us out over at www.christtable.today. In the meantime, our study continues on the topic of perspective shift. We'll be focusing on Acts chapter 13, verses 14 through 37. Let's dig in. As we jump in here to the book of Acts, now chapter 13, we find that Paul and Barnabas, who were a part of those kind of five elite prophets and teachers, five diverse elite prophets and teachers in the church of Antioch, Saul and Barnabas have now been sent out to share the message that has ignited a flame in the church of Antioch with other congregations and other synagogues around the Mediterranean basin. And so we find ourselves now following them around on the journey as they are taking this um, message of Jesus Christ, which is really just kind of the next step in Judaism in their minds at this point. So they're going to synagogues and and teaching the Jewish people. and, And obviously there are still a lot of Gentiles who are listening and who are hearing and are interacting as well. And so what we're going to see is, um, Jewish people are going to kind of circle the wagons a little bit and control uh, the message and push back against this idea of Jesus being the Messiah. But Gentiles are are going to be fully all in to this story. So Acts chapter 13, verse 13, Paul and his companions then left Paphos, where they were with us yesterday, by ship for Pamphylia, landing at the port town of Perga. And there, John Mark left them and returned to Israel. If you were reading yesterday and watched the Bible study, you'll know that John Mark was um, kind of an associate, an assistant, likely a young individual who was following along with him on the journey. Now, later on in uh, his life, John Mark is going to write the Gospel of John. So what we know is that he later is going to write the Gospel of, uh, not, not the Gospel of God, John, is going to write the Gospel of Mark. So what we know is that he is a eyewitness to the Passion Week of Jesus, to Holy Week, to the uh, betrayal, to the crucifixion, to the trials, um, to the death and burial, resurrection, all those things, John Mark was, unlike Barnabas and Paul, an eyewitness to. And so this is one of the reasons why John Mark is with him on the journey here. But John Mark is also with him on the journey because he is related to Barnabas. Uh, And so likely this eyewitness story would have been extremely compelling. But for whatever reason, John Mark leaves them and returns now back to Jerusalem. We're not told why, but later on in the story, we are told that whenever he tries to come back with them and continue on in their travels, Paul says, absolutely not. You are not coming back with us. So likely either Paul didn't, Paul didn't agree with the reason why he left or Paul 
got frustrated at him having left and deserted and and just simply didn't want him to come back and do that again. No matter what the reason was, uh, it seems as though the pressure of taking this message and, and traveling it and telling other people what he had seen at this point in his life uh, is just is just too much. And for some people, that's going to be the story. The pressure of following Christ is simply going to be too much. Now, it may well be that John Mark didn't walk away from his faith, and so I don't mean following Christ in the way of, you know, spiritually or or transformationally. It's not as though he walked away from his faith, but the pressure of following what Paul and Barnabas's call was, was not John Mark's call, was too much for John Mark. And so it seems as though John Mark says, this is what you're called to do, but I'm just not all into this. And they had to let him go. It's going to be the same thing for you as well. The things that God has called and is calling you to accomplish, the roads that he's calling you to take, are not going to always be the roads that he calls everybody else to take. And that's going to be tough for you because we like to believe oftentimes that what God is calling us to do is, is the most important thing that can be done. Uh, I sell this a lot over the years. Um particularly when when I served with uh, who later became my mother and father-in-law in church ministry. They had planted a church, and it was extremely, uh, they were extremely passionate about it and did amazing and incredible things, incredible leaders. The church did amazing and incredible things. But one of the things that I noticed was um, it was difficult sometimes, I think, for them to see that, that what God had called them to um, was not what God had called everyone to. And, and oftentimes people would come into that church, would be into that church for a while and would recognize or would see that it just, it just wasn't for them. Uh, the, the style of ministry that was done there or the rhythms of the church or, or maybe some of the things that, that were being taught there, it just didn't resonate deeply with, with the people, um, who were either on staff or in attendance or in other places. And so it, they would leave and go to another church or, or do something else, uh, go serve somewhere else. And that was always kind of tough on my father-in-law, who was the pastor, and and his, and his spouse, because to them it felt a little like a personal rejection rather than God just calling them to something else. And I can I can understand that, but they had to, they had to let people go because their call wasn't wasn't everybody's call. And, and we've got to resist sometimes, I think, falling into that trap of thinking that what God has called us to is what God has called everybody to. We have different gifts. We have different needs, different things that resonate with us, and, and those are those are given by God. And so it may well be that some folks who are not on the same journey that you are, who who were instrumental to you at one part of your journey, you're going to have to let go so that you can follow your path and so that they can follow theirs. They may well both be God's paths, but they may not be in parallel with each other. This is what happened with John Mark. But 
Paul and Barnabas, not to be dissuaded from what God had asked them to do and the church of Antioch had asked them to do, travel inland to a different Antioch, an Antioch of Pisidia. And on the Sabbath, they went to the synagogue for the services. And after the usual readings from the book of Moses and the prophets, those in charge of the service sent Paul and Barnabas this message. Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, come and give it. So Paul stood, lifted his hand to quiet them and started speaking. Men of Israel, he said, and you God-fearing Gentiles, listen to me. And so we have here a synagogue that both has Jews and Gentiles in it, but who are essentially still following, this is what God-fearing means, the the Jewish faith. And so none of the folks who are here uh, at this moment yet would be defined as being Christians, as being followers of, of Jesus Christ or seeing him as the Messiah. So Paul gets up and begins a history lesson. The God of this nation of Israel chose our ancestors and made them multiply and grow strong during their stay in Egypt. Then with a powerful arm, he led them out of their slavery and he put up with them through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And Paul's going to continue on. I'm going to hit pause here because I, I love this, this line as he reviews Israel's history. He put up with them through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And if you have read any length of time in the Old Testament, this kind of phrase really describes the entirety of God's relationship with um, the ancient Israelites during the Old Testament times and, and maybe even humanity in general. He put up with them, not just for 40 years, but, but for generations and generations and generations. He put up with them. We were stopped to be thankful for all that God puts up with. I think oftentimes that whenever we become followers of Jesus Christ and we began to, to form this core set of beliefs and values and, and a sense of what is right and inbounds and orthodox and what is wrong and out of bounds and, and unorthodox, we began to, to think the world revolves around us and what we think and what we're doing and where we're going to church and what that church and that congregation is doing. And, and uh, we become very kind of tunnel vision, which is why when John Marks walk away, we, we take personal offense rather than seeing it as God has them on one mission in one direction and God has us on one mission mission in a different direction and and there's not one of those that are necessarily more important than the other in fact the mission that that the person who left on may well be more important than your mission and yet we become self-focused we we become self-absorbed we become self-centered on what we think and how we define Christianity and faith and how we practice our faith and the right way to worship and the right music and the right way to teach and the right way to, to hold services and the right way to do communion and the right way to handle Bible study and the right way to see orthodoxy and, and theology and the right way to on and on and on. And God must be sitting up there like he was for those 40 years in the desert and for those hundreds and thousands of years with, with ancient Israelites and, and tens of thousands and who knows how long with, with humanity and individuals um, just in totality. He must be shaking his head. He put up with them for 40 years and he's put up with you for 20, 30 years, 40, 50, 
60, 70 years. Boy, vey, for some of us, he's, he's put up with us for longer than he did with the Israelites in the desert. Have you stopped to be thankful for that? Have you stopped to think, you know what? Maybe, maybe I'm not the greatest thing since sliced bread. Maybe my church or my way of doing things is, maybe it's just barely in bounds. And I think it is central in the right way and the only way. And maybe God is looking at what I think and how I worship and, and how I live out my faith saying, you know what? If here is in bounds, you're, you're just, you're just barely inside of in bounds. I don't like to think of it that way, but you might be shocked. You probably, I would probably be shocked at the things if God were to tell us that he has put up with in us. It might humiliate you or it might humble you and I. Humility and humbleness is not often something that characterizes followers of Jesus Christ today. And it should be. And because it isn't, so many people have have left the church because that's not what God intended for it to be, a place that was self-centered, self-absorbed, and self-focused. We should be thankful. So I'm going to jump a little bit later. Paul gives a history lesson there. I, I do want you to go back in and read it. But in verse 26, uh, Paul kind of stops the history lesson with them and recounting all that God has done for them and how he's been there for them in the past. And he's leading up to this message, this story now of Jesus and brothers, you sons of Abraham, and also you God fearing Gentiles. Paul's being inclusive here. This message of salvation has been sent to us, not just to the Jews, not just to the followers of Jesus, the followers of, of faith of God in, in that time, but God's been sent to us. God, God has been sent Jesus. This message of salvation has been sent to everybody. You don't get to hold it tightly in your hand to decide who's in and who's out. The people in Jerusalem and the leaders did not recognize Jesus as the one the prophets had spoken about, which is sad. Instead, they condemned him, and in doing this, they fulfilled the prophet's words that are read every single Sabbath. They found no legal reason to execute him, but they asked Pilate to have him killed anyway. For some, the pressure of following Christ is going to be too much, and you've got to let them go, and that is not, <laughs> that's not the graphic that should be here. Uh, yeah, let me see if I can pull that one up now here we go let's just drop that in yeah if they refused to recognize jesus and his perspective they are definitely going to refuse you and your perspective as well at times you know jesus showed up he fulfilled all of the prophets paul pointed this out in his sermon He'll continue to point this out, how Jesus was a fulfillment of everything that the Old Testament said the Messiah would be. And then when he shows up, they persecute him, 
They cause suffering, and they essentially kill him. They try and destroy the own God, their own God, the God whom, whom they say that they believe in and worship and have for generations. And if they refuse, which, again, I, I don't think it was a situation. If you read the story of the Gospels, it's not a situation of they just missed it. Paul is essentially pointing out how as good Jews, they you, you couldn't just miss it. You had to make a conscious decision to refuse it. You had to look at it and say, yeah, this matches up, but I'm going to, I'm going to believe something else. I'm going to intentionally make a choice that is wrong because I don't like what is right and what is true. Lord, prevent me from going into a conversation about the last two years. But we do this all the time people who are anti-Semitic because of the way the Jews reacted to Jesus really should pull up a mirror and look at themselves because we all do this. We all look at things where the evidence and the facts are completely there laid out in front of us. And any reasonable person who is looking at it would say this, this is more than enough evidence. And yet we will look at that thing and say, yeah, no. And we all do it. And they did it to Jesus. There was evidence enough there. And they didn't just miss it. They made a choice to intentionally disregard it. If they did that to Jesus, there are going to be those moments when your family, when your friends, when other giants of the faith, people whom you've respected, followers of Jesus, faith-filled people, Look at you and what you believe or what God has called you to do or the path that you are on and say, no, I'm not going to buy it. I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to agree with it. No, I hear what you're saying. I recognize that you have more than enough evidence to, to prove the truth or the veracity or the heart behind it. And I know who you are and who you have been, but you know what? No, you're dead to me. No, I'm not going to believe it. I'm not going to buy it. Now I'm going to consider you an outsider. I'm going to reject you. There are going to be those people who, when you follow Jesus, and you follow truth. And those people oftentimes, sadly, are going to be people who people who shouldn't. People who should know better. People whom you looked up to, whom you respected, who who preach and teach the name of Jesus, and yet they have no sense of what God is doing. You're gonna have to leave them behind. Maybe you're John Mark in the story. And maybe you're going to have to leave them behind. Paul continues on. When they had done all the prophecies had said about him, they took him down from the cross and they placed him in a tomb. Religious people ignored what was in front of their eyes about Jesus and the truth. They willfully, willingly chose a disastrous and destructive and antichrist path. And they not only tried to kill the good, they did. 
and they placed that good in a tomb. And if you've experienced that as well, where a religious or, or faith-based community has refused you, rejected you, ignored you, when you were being true, when all of the evidence was there in front of their eyes and they just simply decided, no, no, we're going to believe a lie. If they attacked you and targeted you, abused you, rejected you, pushed you out, even tried to destroy you and maybe even succeeded. But for Jesus, that but made all the difference in the world, but God. And for you, for you it will as well. Jesus still carried the marks in his wrists, in his feet. Still carried all the marks in the wounds. And I'm sorry to say that you will as well, but... This Bible study on Perspective Shift is brought to you by Christ Table. If you'd like to join us in the study, there's an easy-to-follow guide in the show notes. We'd love to have you join us. You know, 65 million adults in the United States have dropped out of church, and that number will grow by 2.7 million before the end of this year. We here at Christ Table are committed to doing something about that. We're committed to creating a world where the table is once again the center of the home, the center of family life, and especially the center of faith formation again. Our mission, that's simple, to help people eat freely and drink deeply of life and of faith. Find out more about us by going to www.christtable.today. And when you get over to christtable.today, be sure to sign up for our email list there. And for those who choose to donate, I've got a resource box that I want to send you in the mail as my thanks. And trust me, you're going to like it. By the way, the podcast is available because of the generous donations of our listeners and the incredible community of people who call Christ Table their spiritual home. Join us on our next episode as we continue our conversation on Perspective Shift. And if you'd like to watch these Bible studies live, there's more information on our website about that as well, www.christtable.today. Thanks so much for listening. We wouldn't be here without you. Until next time, I'm Pastor Kevin Young. And this is the Christ Table Podcast.